go. Lift off in 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ignition. What's happening? Welcome to your Mars podcast. Podcast for people who know very little about space, hosted by someone who knows very little about space. Episode 1 is going to be about the Orion constellation. 1. Because it's a belter. 2. Because it's most prominent in January and February skies. And 3. Because, well, this is my podcast and it's unoriginal. And if you've got any better ideas, leave them in the comments, send me an email, text message, tell me. Send smoke signals, carrier pigeons, those little fucking cups with strings on, whatever it is. Yeah, get in touch, let me know. Nice one for listening, much appreciated. Episode 1, Orion. Piss, also known as the bodily substance that unites R. Kelly, Donald Trump, and funnily enough, Orion. So the mythology around the surrounding Orion is three gods, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hermes, popped by Orion's Alphala's gaff. I suppose he wasn't his Alphala by this point, but his eventual Alphala's gaff. And that's from Scran. The Scran was the only bull that Orion's soon-to-be Alphala owned. They essentially decided to grant Orion's Alphala Hideous with one wish. Now, his wish was to have a child, I don't know whether it was because he was impotent or he didn't have a beard or, or whatever it was, but he decided that's what he wanted. So the three gods bury the ox hide of the bull that they'd just eaten in the garden, and then all of them proceeded to piss on that spot, giving a nice old golden shower, and out popped nine or ten months later. I'm not sure why, I guess piss doesn't really have any sort of artificial enhancers containing speed of gestation period or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but anyway, they pissed on this spot. Next thing you know, your man's got a giant of a baby. It's probably a good thing, to be honest, that he didn't have a beard, because imagine trying to give birth to a giant without all the medical advances today, let alone someone the size of what would eventually become a constellation. He must have had a big old head. Um, can't imagine that labour period. So there are some of the <laughs> some of the other mythology involved. Um, that's obviously the beginnings. Um, two of the stories, you know, deciding why he became a constellation in the first place. There's a lot of contradictions in them. So one of them is that Orion took Artemis's interest. Artemis is famously not into fellas. Really, doesn't really get stuck in with any any males in kind of Greek mythology. Smart woman, if you ask me. But one fella who's fancy she did take was Orion's because of both of their hunting prowess. Orion was a was a obviously we've already mentioned he's a giant, but he was also a very prolific hunter. Um hence why it's the hunter constellation. And Apollo, Artemis's brother, was jealous that she was spending so much time with Orion, frolicking around, running around hunting, doing all the bits. He um one day goaded Artemis into some sort of target practice that while Orion was wading through a lake, obviously we've mentioned him being a big old boy, so from a distance up on Mount Olympus, Orion's in the water fiddling around, probably trying to catch a fish or whatever, and um, <laughs> and Artemis 
is up there chilling with Apollo when he's decided to go down into shooting uh, basically an archery contest with Artemis not knowing. I don't know I don't know why he was so jealous. I don't know whether it was like a Jamie Lannister and a Cersei Lannister type incest deal or what, but it's tricky them them Greek gods, but he's basically said if you can hit that black thing in the water there fiddling around then you know before uh, with a better shot than i i don't know what, what his criteria was for the testing or whatever but essentially yeah she fired that arrow and it's pinged orion in his dome and she hasn't clocked that one she's killed orion or two that her brother's a fucking weapon but eventually she does it kills orion and she pleads with zeus and the rest of the, the gods to put his body up amongst the stars the second one is an example i guess a really early example of you know your bird's man not really taking a liking to you um orion was cracking on with artemis and was bragging that he could kill any animal on the face of planet earth now gaia as in the personification of mother earth not what the RuPaul Drag Race contestants always attempt to be to influence the judges. <laughs> or what a lot of straight women pretend to be now that it's in fashion, Gaia, I guess. Um, <laughs> he, she, yeah, she is him bragging, obviously, about being able to slay Queen, essentially, and sets upon him a fucking giant scorpion, which subsequently kills Orion, and he also kills it. And similar story, Artemis goes and, you know, as the crack with Zeus tells him to put the body up amongst the stars. Which is why you never see Scorpio and Orion in the sky at the same time. Apparently because the gods knew that just be that just be murder for eternity. And, yeah, smart, smart planning, if you ask me. Those are two stories about the mythology there, which is, you know, I find relatively interesting. You may not, but, I mean, what... How many stories do you know that involve a giant, a golden shower, a scorpion, incest, RuPaul? You know what I mean? So, yeah, it is. The most spectacular thing to observe, without a doubt, in the Orion constellation is the Orion Nebula. Um, it's located right where his knob would be if he dressed a little bit to the right. You know, imagine like he strapped it to the inside of his right leg and his kex. Um, that's, where you, <laughs> that's where you'll find it. A lot of people use the analogy that it's where you'd find a sword. But I feel like that's just kind of a, you know, like a little insinuation there. It's a little cheeky one just to, you know what they're hitting at. It's his knob. Um, luckily for him, it's massive. Uh, so, <laughs> so what a nebula is, it's collections of dust, gas and matter and other particles and such in interstellar space um, that are ionised, which means they're activated by radiation and that's what causes them to become excited and dance around and that's what gives those kind of crazy colours that you see. Um, a really interesting thing about nebula, a lot of them are star birthing grounds. Okay, so the Orion Nebula in particular has over 700 stars in it. There are a lot of protoplanetary disks which essentially are, you know, rapidly spinning clouds of matter, dust, gas that will eventually coalesce into like clumps which will eventually become dense enough and already have become dense enough to become stars. So as I say, over 700 stars are in that particular region of space, which it's crazy because it's the closest star birthing ground to planet Earth. A lot of people throughout time, particularly the Mayans, refer to it as Mayans. Mayans refer to it as the cosmic fire of creation. Have a little look at the Orion Nebula photo recently taken from the Hubble telescope. 
it is it's breathtaking. And if you are into stargazing, whether that is through astrophotography or whether you have a pair of binoculars, telescope, or whether you're just blessed with like some dark sky areas, particularly people in, in the States and stuff, go out and have a little look to find Orion's pipe. Right, have a little look where his member is and focus your camera on there, figure your right settings and do some um, long exposure photos and you'll see the nebula. It is the brightest one we can see from Earth um, and it really is, it is fantastic. Um, then if you do take any photos, send them over and I'll feature them on the podcast. It doesn't necessarily have to be of anything in the, the Orion constellation, it could just be anything in general, any spacey stuff, any sciencey stuff, even even stories and mythology and all that, And you know, it's be nice just to be able to share some of the things that people are seeing it's nice to kind of engage a conversation and a dialogue around these sorts of things you know because i know people a lot of people are interested in them it's just you don't really have an outlet for it so yeah send them over so just what do the brightest star and one of the most formidable shaggers in human history have in common strange comparison other than being big old boys Rigel, the brightest star in the Orion constellation. The photons of light that we see from Rigel today set off on the journey at the same time that Genghis Khan was being born. Rigel's 864 light years away from the Earth, estimated. Some estimate that it's up to a thousand years, but I mean, ugh, would you be asked going into all that? So, Taking that it's 864 light years away, it means that it takes 864 years for the light particles from there to reach our eyes, right? So that's how long they've been traveling through the vast distances of space at 300,000 kilometers per second, right? So pretty quick. At that time, infamous ruler Genghis Khan was being born. Light years are something that people really struggle with. A lot of people think that it's a distance. I mean, sorry, it's a time when in fact it is actually a distance. It's the time it would take light traveling at the speed we mentioned earlier to reach one point or another, right? So for some context, Pluto is five light hours away from the sun, meaning that it takes five hours from light from the sun to reach Pluto. It takes eight minutes for the sun's light to reach us. So effectively, you are looking into the past when you gaze up at the sun, which obviously isn't advisable without the correct gigs on, but still. Right, so if you winked at your bed from the sun, obviously... If you didn't fucking boil your skin while you were doing it. But if you winked at your bed from the sun, she'd only clock it five hours later on Pluto. If Genghis Khan winked at your bed from Rigel, you wouldn't even know that he was trying to grease on her until another, I guess, 60, 65 years or so, depending on when the wink happened. So yeah, that's a funny kind of observation to explain just how these kind of distances work. And obviously, the fact that Rigel is the brightest star in the Orion constellation... At that distance, it's a testament to just how fucking big it is. It's between 60,000 and 360,000 times as luminous as our sun, and up to 20 times its solar mass. Both Rigel and Betelgeuse have competed over the years. They're, they're what you call variable stars, so Rigel is the left foot of Orion, Betelgeuse being the right shoulder, and they've competed over the years as variable stars, so their brightness changes quite frequently. Every 420 days for Betelgeuse. I'm not sure of the time frame for Rigel, but it's less frequent. But what you it's due to what you call stellar pulsations, right? So it's like flexing in the gym, blasting off all the outer layers of your sweat and all that kind of stuff. That's what these stars are doing, essentially. They're ejecting the mass into space, and that changes the relative luminosity as we see it from Earth. When they named... You know, when they were naming these the Alpha, Alpha Orionis and Beta Orionis, you know, they, they called Betelgeuse the Alpha. 
and Rigel, the beta, because obviously it must have happened at a point in history where Beetlejuice was outshining Rigel at that point. So yeah, if anyone ever calls you a beta, just use that example to say, you know, well, obviously by beta you must mean the fucking biggest and brightest, but occasionally dim guy. <laughs> I guess uh, it's probably not a good way to fight off being called a beta, but I mean, you can give it a shot. So welcome to the final part of the podcast, known as Cool Facts. It's called Cool Facts, but obviously with astronomy and physics in general, can't really use the word fact with any sort of degree of certainty because the majority of the time it's just estimations. So yeah, welcome to the Cool Facts, Not Facts section. So Cool Fact, Not Fact, number one, Beetlejuice has... Less than a million years left of his lifetime, probably more so around a hundred thousand years left. But there's a chance with it being, you know, six hundred or so light years away, that could have exploded at any point in the last six hundred years, and we wouldn't know it yet because the light wouldn't have reached us, as we mentioned earlier, with Genghis Khan trying to fucking goose your bird. Um, in contrast to the Orion Nebula we were talking about before, with all the you know the young, hot, bright blue stars, Beetlejuice. Which is a red supergiant, so it means that it's converted all of its hydrogen to helium, and it'll then convert its helium to heavier elements. Once it gets beyond iron, those elements start to consume energy rather than produce it. It will eventually become a dense remnant of itself, right? It'll, it'll start to become more and more unstable and eventually implode, leaving either a neutron star, which is a very, very dense, rapidly spinning star, obviously, or a black hole which, you know, becomes almost infinitely dense to the fact that nothing escapes it, not including light. This podcast is so time-sensitive because once Beetlejuice explodes and goes supernova, this whole mythology shape, all this goes out the window because it just becomes, you know, another mad collection of stars in the sky. It doesn't really have the same shape of someone. I mean, if you lose someone, half of somebody's body mass from your head, from the right side of your head down to your belt, when the, when the most defining thing about you is your belt, you're fucked, aren't you? Unless, like, you're a fighter, then you're talking about, like, championships. But for the most part, none of us are. And if you lost half your mass, it'd be a funny story. Or tragic. <laughs> but for the most part, people aren't going to tell these stories anymore. So, obviously, we've got up to 100,000 years. So, spend the next 100,000 years wisely. Cool fact number two. Orion won't be visible from latitudes similar to ours in Great Britain within 12,000 years' time, right? Due to the precession and the way that the stars are moving through space and their relative orbits around our galaxy, it would, it's just not going to be there anymore, which obviously doesn't sound that big of a deal if you're in Britain because, you know, as you know, it's fucking raining 99.9% of the time. It's cloudy for the other 0.0001% or whatever, so you can't see it in any way, but still, it's just not going to be there anymore. Couple that with the fact that a fucking few years down the line, there'll be no shoulder involved. And you're saying, listen, get this podcast in your ear holes as soon as possible. There's a funny little thing that I thought before that Beetlejuice the movie will probably outlast Beetlejuice the star. So cool fact number three, there aren't that many cool facts about Orion's belt. I have to mention it because obviously it's the most famous asterism in the constellation. But for the most part, as I said before, it's the belt. Unless you work in a leather shop, 
belts aren't that interesting, and these ones aren't even fucking made of leather, so I had to mention it, just to mention it. I reckon that probably concludes the podcast. If there's anything that I've missed or anything that you'd like to talk about on future episodes, or you'd like to come on the podcast, or you just have some really interesting knowledge about these things and would like to correct my lack of, then just send a message over, do all the things that I said before. Comment, share, tweet, like, all the things that kids do now. Do one of them. Get involved. This is a nice one for listening. It's been episode one of your man's podcast. Clear skies. Imagination, your most powerful attribute. With it, we can roam anywhere in space and time.